Thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Every time we get to gather together as believers, we ought to be happy about something. Even in a world that seems a little bit out of control today, the fact that God's in control, the fact that our hope is not in a citizenship that's on this whole earth, but as Philippians 3.20 would write, our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there. I don't know what makes you happy, but I tell you what, when Jesus is at the center of my joy, when Jesus is my greatest joy, I'm the happiest I can be in this life. And guess what? You are too. You are too when Jesus is a source of our joy. Now let me ask you a question this evening as we kick off this message tonight. Have you ever heard of that phrase, you are what you eat? Anybody ever heard that? I, I, I believe it's offensive. Um, that triggers me. Anyway, you are what you eat. And now if that's the case, just call me uh, Little Debbie. I love these cakes, right? Uh, you are what you eat. But here's what we're going to find tonight as we continue on in Philippians chapter 4 that Paul is going to make the argument it's not you are what you eat. Rather, it is you are what you think. It's not really you are what you eat. It's you and I are what we think. I want to share this with you, church. I am convinced that most of the battles that you and I have are won and lost in 70 cubic inches of real estate between our two ears. Most of the battles you and I have are won and lost in our mind and with our thoughts because you and I are what we think. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever just sat around and thought about the big thoughts of the day? For instance, why do we drive on parkways and park and driveways? Does that ever just bother you a little bit? How about this one? Why do noses run and feet smell? That never made sense to me, right? Hey, if the number two pencil is so great, why is it still number two? Why is the word abbreviated so long? Why can't women put on mascara without opening their mouths? There's just questions that absolutely blow my mind. Do you know this, and I'll tell you something else that will blow your mind. Do you know that the average person has over 6,000 thoughts a day? Now listen, before I researched it, if you were to ask me, how many thoughts do you have a day? I'd go probably 32 to 33. Over 6,000 thoughts a day are had by you and me, science tells us. And you know what? It's there that many of the battles you and I face are won and lost. I heard a pastor put it this way, that your life and my life are constantly moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And you know what I agree with? I'm going to say it again, that your life and my life are constantly moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. You know what that means? You and I are what we think. You are what you think. Here in Philippians chapter 4, we get a glimpse here, and we're going to find out that to rejoice in Jesus always, to win the battle against worry and anxiety, where we've been in Scripture thus far, the worry and anxiety in our hearts and our minds, that you and I must fix our thoughts, must direct our thoughts and focus our minds on Jesus 
and that which honors him. Meaning this, that Jesus and that which honors him ought to be our strongest thoughts day in and day out. So take your Bibles if you would. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to begin and camp out right here around verse number 8. And look what Paul writes. He says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, watch what he says, think about such things. Think about such things. I love what Paul does here. He writes, finally, in a sense what he is saying is this passage right here is going to deal the final blow to the worry and the anxiety that creep into our hearts and our minds and want with all they have to take over. This is the final blow what he writes. And here's what we find, you ready? What is that final blow? It is right thinking. It is good thinking. Most importantly, it's godly thinking. Godly thinking. Ralph Waldo Emerson, an American legend, lecturer, and poet, once rightly said, you are what you think all day long. You are what you think. But here we have a case of plagiarism. Because that sounds good, doesn't it? But, but I'm reminded of old King Solomon long before Emerson wrote this in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. He would write this, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You are what you think. So let's dive into this text. Let's take a few moments. Let's dive into this list that Paul gives us here in Philippians chapter 4 that he challenges the church to focus their mind and to direct their thoughts on. You ready? First of all, Paul begins to talk about true thinking. True thinking that focuses our minds and directs our thoughts on that which is true. Now, when I, when I speak of truth, I'm not speaking of the modern-day idea of truth that is both progressive and changing. In fact, I love what a pastor by the name of John Mason wrote. He wrote this. He said, Christianity does not progress with the times. If it did, it would be a false religion. Do not be deceived, he writes, into thinking there is a progressive form of Christianity. Christianity, it does not exist because truth never changes. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, we must focus our minds and direct our thoughts on truth that is established by God through his word and made flesh in his son. Paul talks true thinking. But not only true thinking, he takes notes of noble thinking. Thinking on things, and that word noble carries with it the idea, things that are worthy of respect, that are respectable. He writes about right thinking, thinking that is guided, that is girded, that is grounded in the word of God. Paul promotes pure thinking, which is godly thinking as opposed to worldly thinking, thinking that is on that which is good, not that which is evil. Paul challenges us to unleash lovely thinking. Thinking that brings about peace, not conflict, love, not strife, healing, not hatred, light, not darkness. And furthermore, the last three he rounds up. Number six, Paul advocates admirable thinking. Number seven, he encourages excellent thinking. Number eight, he pushes praiseworthy thinking. And all of this is thinking that is positive and constructive, not negative and destructive. 
We must think on that which builds up in Christ and not that which tears down. It is thinking that makes much of Jesus and a whole lot less of us. You know, Paul says about this list of eight types of thinking, you know what he says? Think about such things. This is not a self-help suggestion where he's going, hey, listen, if you would, you get a free minute, try this out and see if it works for you. This is not a self-help suggestion. Rather, it carries with it a Christ-following command. He's not asking us to try it out. Rather, by the, the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit of God, he is telling the church, you must focus your mind and direct your thoughts on these things. Why? And here's why. You ready? Because you are what you think. Why? Because your life and my life, is con- they're both constantly moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And so Paul tells us, you ought to think about such things, but the question goes, hey, Pastor Andy, how do, we, how do we really think about such things all the time? How do we focus our minds? How do we direct our thoughts? Well, first of all, you ready? You and I must work. We must work hard to focus our minds and direct our thoughts. Man, by the way, just thinking of all the phone calls I've gotten today, seeing all I read, The Lord did pretty good putting us on top of this passage tonight. We have to work to focus our minds and direct our thoughts. Hey, you ready? Doing such involves two actions with our thoughts. You ready? Number one, we must take captive our thoughts. And number two, we must not conform. Our thoughts. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought, he writes, and make it obedient to Christ. Taking captive every thought, what does that mean? What well, means is taking control of what we think, taking control of our thought lives. It is thinking on purpose and with purpose. I was reading an article from a doctor by the name of Caroline Leaf. She's a cognitive neurologist. And she wrote this in her book, Switch on Your Brain. Here's where her science led her. As we think, she writes, we change the physical nature of our brain. And as we consciously direct our thinking, we can wire out toxic patterns of thinking and replace them with healthy Thoughts. You know what? You know what this is a reminder of? Hey, take captive your thoughts. Think on purpose and with purpose. Paul would write, not only do we take captive our thoughts, but we've got to be careful to not conform our thoughts. Listen to what he writes to the churches in Rome. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what he's saying? You, you and I, we're not to think like the rest of the world thinks, conforming our thoughts to the thoughts of the world we live in, to the culture we are surrounded by, or the sin nature that is in us. We are to be transformed by the Spirit's work of renewing our mind, to focus our minds and to direct our thoughts. Let me ask you a question. How many of the some 6,000 thoughts you've had today have you directed How many thoughts have we today taken captive and made obedient 
to Christ. How much thinking on purpose and with purpose have we done today? I'm going to be honest with you. That question has messed me up. I preached this a couple times on Sunday. I prepared for it all last week. And I'm going to tell you what, I get to thinking how much I really direct my thoughts or take captive my thoughts. Be careful they're not conforming to the pattern of this world. And I'm in trouble. I walk away going, man, there's just, I'm not thinking on purpose a lot. And I'm not thinking with purpose a lot. And we find here that Paul would say this. Think on such things. Take them captive. Do not conform your thoughts any longer to the pattern of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, you know why, church? Because your life and my life are constantly moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And you know what? I sure want Jesus to be my strongest thought. And I want that which honors him to be the strongest thoughts of my day. I was uh, preaching a camp not too long ago. Uh, well, actually, it was really long ago. I don't know why I said that. I mean, we're talking 15, 16 years ago. It was a summer camp at the beach. I was preaching in front of all these students. And uh, I'll never forget, I, I preached a message much like this one. I, I challenged them, hey, you got to take captive your thoughts. I challenged them to be careful what they let in their mind. Remember, garbage in, garbage out. And man, I passionately preached. Man, you've got to be careful to focus your mind and direct your thoughts. A message just like this one. And I, at the end of it, I challenged them, hey, rid yourself of those things that you're allowing in your life that generate thoughts that aren't of Jesus and don't honor him. Now, at that time, they didn't have the whole world in their hand. Weren't those good days? <laughs> at that time, they had TV and movies, both of which they couldn't bring to camp with them. But they had CDs. And they had a lot of them. They listened to them on the bus ride down. They listened throughout the day and during free time. I'll never forget that night after the service, a group of teenage boys came and found me. And in their hand, they had a box, and it was closed. And they said, hey, hey, Pastor Anthony, we want to give this to you. Would you open it? And I said, no. You don't ever open a box from teenage boys, right? You don't know what kind of dead animal, live animal, body part. You don't know what's in there. I said, fellas, what's going on? And when I'm opening the box, handed it to me, I looked down. I looked in the box, and here's what I found. Just dozens and dozens of broken CDs. I remember looking at the boys and going, fellas, what y'all do? They said, you know what we got to thinking today? And after you got done preaching, we really want Jesus to be the one that we, it's the strongest thoughts in our life. What honors him? They said, you know what? We want to begin to take captive our thoughts, to focus our mind and direct our thoughts on him. And, and so you know what those boys did? They went back to their rooms and they got all their CDs. And I'll be honest with you, I held pieces of CD that were pretty bad. And they went back and they broke every single one of them. And they threw them in a box and they handed it to me. And I remember thinking that night at camp for that group of teenage boys, they got it. They knew how important it was to focus their mind, 
to direct their thoughts. For Jesus to take captive their thoughts, to make them obedient to Christ. They knew what it was to no longer conform to the thinking of this world, the pattern of this world, and they wanted nothing more than Jesus to be their strongest thought and that which honor him is to be their strongest thoughts. And so they went and they broke CDs. What seems simple and almost laughable today, that night it came for those boys was the biggest step they ever took to honoring Jesus here. Where most of the battles that you and I fight, where they happen. Because they understood that their life was constantly moving in the direction of their strongest thoughts. How do we, how do we think about such things, Anthony? Well, here's the, here's the last thing I want to share with you. Ready? That as we begin to talk about uh, conforming no longer to the pattern of this world, taking captive our thoughts, you and I must continually direct our thoughts by diving into and declaring truth. By diving into and declaring truth. Now listen, don't hear me wrong. I don't want you to simply think about rainbows and unicorns and unicorns that eat Skittles. I don't want, I'm not talking about that type of thinking. I'm not simply talking about positive thinking. I'm talking biblical thinking. And for you and I to get there, we must dive into and declare the truth. Because here's the truth. As we take captive our thoughts, as we make the decision not to conform our thinking to the pattern of this world, we really desire, and what I want to challenge you in tonight, what I desire most, is that your strongest thoughts that direct your life to be Jesus and Jesus honoring. But how do we do it? How do we direct our thoughts? By declaring truth. But what truth? Watch this, you know, this list here in Philippians chapter 4.8, if you've read the Old Testament, it's going to sound very familiar to a list that we find in the Psalms. In fact, it is closely related, and I think it's on purpose by Paul, who was very familiar with the Old Testament. In Psalm 19, we find a similar list, and I want to read it to you. And watch, watch the very source of good and right and godly thinking. The psalmist writes, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing to the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. What's amazing, it seems as if Paul mimicked this list in Psalms in his Philippians 4 list, thus giving us the very source and foundation for which we are to choose our thoughts that are to be true and noble and right and pure and admirable, praiseworthy, excellent and lovely. And that source, that foundation of such thinking is the Word of God. You ready? Here's the connection. We cannot think rightly we cannot take captive our thoughts. We cannot stop conforming to the pattern of this world in our thinking apart from the reading, the meditating, and the memorizing of the Word of God. The Word of God is the truth from which we must derive what is right and good and godly thinking. It is the truth that must direct our thoughts. But here's the problem. You ready? 
if the word of God is a nutrient to the believer, then the majority of the church is deficient and lacking. The best of studies coming out of the church is that two out of every ten believers here will crack open their Bible every day. Will crack open their Bible every day. Man, if you were to play that out in a believer's life, and let's say you were one, one of those two out of ten that open your Bible every day, then suppose the average time a person spends reading the Bible daily is 15 minutes. That means that out of the 10,080 minutes a week, a believer spends just 105 minutes, 0.01% of their time each week diving into God's word and letting God's thoughts direct our thoughts and letting his truth direct our thoughts. And the question is, is, is I wonder why we're losing the battles in here. If the best of believers are only in his word 0.01%, of their week. You know, you read some Nielsen reports and anywhere between three and four hours the average American spends watching TV. If you're between the age of 16 and 24, you spend over three and a half hours on social media sites a day. Other average Americans are spending anywhere between one and three hours doing this on their phone a day. And hear me, not all that stuff's bad. And I'm not saying it is, but it's a whole lot of time letting somebody else's message generate thoughts in our mind. And if we believe the statistics, not a whole lot of his message and his truth directing our thoughts and focusing our minds. And that is why a lot of the battles we are losing happen right, right here. Because remember the truth. Your life and my life are constantly moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. But who's generating those thoughts? In your life and in my life, if we were to think on such things as Paul challenges in Philippians 4, if we're going to win the battle against worry and anxiety, if we're going to rejoice in the Lord always, we need more of his thoughts. We need more of his truth generated in our lives through his word. We are deficient overall in the truth of God's word as believers. You know what it's time to do? It's time to dive in. But how do we do it? Hey, can I say this? Chances are... If you are overwhelmed with unrelenting worry, you probably aren't diving into the Word of God each day. Chances are, if you aren't rejoicing in Jesus always, as Paul writes in Philippians 4, you aren't diving into His Word each day. So let me challenge you with something. You ready? It is time for every believer in the house to dive into God's Word. Put aside the excuses. Everybody has excuses. Why not and it's time that we dive in. So here's what I'm going to challenge you to do. You ready? First, I want you to pick a plan. I want you to pick a plan. I'm going to show this to you. Um, it's one of my favorite apps on the planet. You can access it on any device or your computer. version. as of Sunday morning, over 447 million, 446,000 downloads of that app have taken place. You can go on there and you can find every kind of Bible reading plan, Bible study guide. That you, there are thousands, literally, that you can pick from. I want you to pick a plan, a, a reading plan 
that you want to do. Listen, I want to encourage you to read through the Bible. They got plans like that on there. I want to encourage you to start with God's Word. Hear me. Devotionals are good, and I read them every morning. The Word of God is great, and they should never supplement for the Word of God. Open His Word and read it. Pick a plan. What kind of reading plan are you going to start tomorrow? You're going to pick a plan. And then I'm going to encourage you to pick a a place. Now, I don't know what this chair looks like in your house, but this is one of the chairs that we have um, that uh, we have up at our, our countertop. And from time to time, I watch my wife sit in this chair. And she's got one of those Bibles that also has some uh, coloring parts to it where you see color in Scripture. And it's just a really cool Bible. And she'll spend time with the Lord in this chair at the house. Let me tell you what my chair looks like in the house. You ready? Melinda, y'all are sitting in a row of chairs of about four. That's about the size of my chair at the house, right? I got one of those big oversized chairs in the house, and it's huge, and it's about the size of your regular couches, and I love my chair, and when I spend time with the Lord at the house, that's my chair. Hey, what does that chair look like in your house? What does that chair look like in your office? I drop my kids off. I'm at school, and I get to work early, about 45 minutes early from the office is open, and I have a chair in my office. Then I just sit down, and then I spend time in his word every day. What does this chair look like? Because you're picking a plan, and you're picking a place. What does this chair look like? You know what I loved after Sunday morning? I went on Facebook, and I saw a lot of church members who'd heard this message Sunday start posting pictures of what their chair looked like at their house. You pick a plan, you pick a place, and you put it on the count. Put it on your calendar. Meaning this, I, I, I don't want you to fall into temptation. Go, man, I ought to do that. I'm going to start next week because this week's like, hey, no, 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 no. Don't put it off. Put it on the calendar. Tomorrow, what time are you going to sit in your chair? What time are you going to black out on your calendar? You're going to get up early? You're going to stay up late? You're going to carve it out in the middle of the day? Man, what time are you going to spend in the Word of God? Because here's the deal. If your life and my life is constantly moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts, He needs to be our strongest thoughts, and His truth ought to be the one directing our thoughts. What does this look like in your life? Believer, if you're going to begin to win on the battlefield where most of our battles are won and lost, you have got to have your thoughts Directed by his thoughts. Your thoughts directed by his truth. And it is impossible apart from spending time with him in your chair every single day. Let me tell you a discipline I add in with this. I've got a ton of little journal. By the way, my, my girls like to tell me, that's daddy's diary. This is not a diary. This is a man journal pictures of guns in there, okay? So listen, it's not a diary. So if you're a lady, you grab your diary. If you're a man, you grab your man journal. And you know what I begin a habit of doing, I read this in other, uh, other Christian leaders, is they'll read his word and will write down declarative thoughts and statements that we're going to read every single day. Every single day this week, I get to my office And I open my man journal, and I begin to read out some truths that I've written down. We call them declarative statements. 
And what we've done is we've read the Word of God, we know the truth of God, and we have adopted that in some statements that help to direct our thoughts and focus our minds every morning. Because then they become the strongest thoughts and the thoughts by which we gauge and judge every other thought that comes in. It's our hearts and our minds. Can I read just some of them to you? Uh, First, I am in Christ. He is in me. I am who he says I am. I have what he says I have. And I will follow Jesus today. Number two, and by the way, I read these out loud. It looks weird, but I do it. I'm a godly husband, and I will lay down my life for my wife. I will love her. I will care for her. I will provide for her. I will protect her. I will have fun with her today, and I will lead her to Jesus. Number three, I'm a godly daddy. I will train my kids to know and to love and to follow after Jesus, I will spend time with my kids today. I will be kind to my kids today. I will have fun with my kids today. Number four, I'll leave it all on the field today so that when I lay down tonight, I will know that I have given my all for Jesus, for my wife, for my kids, for his church and his kingdom I'm going to leave it all on the field today. Number five, I will take my thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. I will not worry. I will not fear. I will direct my thoughts today. Number six, I love my enemies. And I'll pray for them. I'm not going to hate anybody. Well, you're a pastor. You don't have enemies. That's good thinking. Number six, number seven, I will not waste my time in things that do not matter today. Here's the problem with my list. I've got over 20. One of them is I will be a Vols fan no matter what. No, I'm kidding. There's nothing like that in there, but here's the deal. I read through those every morning. You know why? Because they become the strongest thoughts of my day. And they help me to focus my mind and to direct my thoughts for the rest of my day. And then if anything pours in that contradicts those, man, it raises flags in my spirit and I want nothing to do with it. So you know what you're going to do? And I'm going to challenge you this for the next seven days. And I'm not going to challenge you. I'm going to triple dog dare you. You can't break that. It's against the Bible, okay? You're triple dog dare You're going to pick a plan. How are you going to read his word? Maybe start with Philippians. I'm 23 sermons in there. Trust me, it takes you a lot shorter time to read it. Maybe the Gospel of John. Maybe begin at the beginning. Pick a plan. Pick a place. What does this chair look like every day in your life? In your home, in your office? What does that look like? Put it on the calendar. Don't put it off. And put it on there. That's your time you're going to spend with him. And you know what? Maybe add a discipline in there. You get your man journal. And you write down some truth that you declare that day. I'm going to tell you something. 
You make Jesus your strongest thoughts. You make what honor him your strongest thoughts. That's exactly the direction your life is going to move towards. And you know what? I have a question for you as we close. And all this talk of you are what you think, your life and my life are continually moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Believer, I have a question for you. What belongs in this box? What habits in your life that generate thinking that really doesn't make much of Jesus and really doesn't honor him? What habits need to be broken? Hey, I'm not calling you to break your CD. Who, what are those anyway, right? Who even knows what a CD is anymore? But maybe instead of breaking the CD, it means some of us have got to delete some apps. <laughs> hey, in, instead of breaking CDs, maybe what we need to put in this box are some social media accounts. Either we suspend them or we just delete them. Hey, maybe what we ought to be putting in the box is some streaming subscriptions that we've let our guard down and it's putting a lot of stuff in here that's causing us to lose a whole lot of battles. what, What do you need to put in here? Maybe there's some relationships you have that, man, all it is is negativity. And it's, it's garbage in and garbage out in your life. You've got to start distancing. You've got to put it in the, in the box. Hey, but believer, I, my challenge to you tonight is identify those habits and those things, those CDs in your life that need to go in the box. Hey, you know what maybe needs to go in the box for some of us? The news. For a while. We can't help. We can't control ourselves today. I had a dollar for every phone call I got today counseling believers as if God lost an election today. Maybe turn off the news for a little bit. See, the thing about this message is I don't know what belongs in this box for you. I know what belongs in this box for me. There are some habits I need to break and put in here if I'm going to start winning some battles, if Jesus is going to be my strongest thought and would honor him is going to be my strongest thoughts. But it's not only about what you're breaking and putting in the box today. It's about what habits are you going to build in your life to allow his thoughts to direct your thoughts. What habits are you going to build to where with those 6,000 thoughts, you're going to begin to take them captive in order to say to those thoughts, I will not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but God's going to transform my mind. It's not about what you break and put in the box only. It's the habits that you're going to build in your life to start winning the battles that go on right here. Church, you are what you think. And your life and my life are constantly moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Let your strongest thought be Jesus and that which honors him. Let's pray together, can we? Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.